Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode two now of Doses of Darling. I am ecstatic. I'm elated. I'm excited. Yes, I realize those are synonyms of one another, but I also love me some alliteration. (laughs) Um, I am just so grateful for everybody who watched my first episode. I know I'm not to like influencer levels of like the tens of thousands of people or like the millions of views, but y'all, I was expecting like four or five views and I saw the ticker going up and I am just speechless about how many people texted me to say how grateful they were for the content to let me know that they were sharing with friends to see on Facebook people sharing the link to my podcast on Instagram I I am just in awe of the amount of support and love that I'm getting from people from so many different walks of life that either I've met several years back or like I've had in my life for a long time or are currently in my life I I am just so beyond grateful for everything I I never thought that I would host this podcast like I had the idea three four years ago and then kind of gave it up because you know I didn't think that it was something that was going to happen and so That just goes to show that sometimes, even though we want things to happen in the moment, um, they're not meant to happen then. And we're supposed to just wait for God's timing and not force anything. And eventually they just happen on their own. So it's a good reminder of like not giving up hope on things still coming back around at some point. Um, Yeah, I... I'm just really grateful for the reminder that God has given me of how many people I've come into contact with throughout my life and how some people are coming out of the woodwork that I met when I was 16 or we're just in contact on Facebook or we're liking each other's stories on Instagram and and now I'm getting your support and your love and even people that I'm in contact with currently that whether we text every day or there's a phone call here and there or we hang out like I'm I'm beyond grateful and just very receptive to y'all's love and support um yeah I so I I wanted to make this episode I know that in the last episode I said that we were going to talk about psychedelics or attachment styles and mental health and how all of that had to do with with healing but I figured since so many people tuned in to watch the first episode that I would give y'all a bit of a larger dose of myself this time just so that y'all get to know the woman behind the podcast um I I try to show up as authentically as I can everywhere I go and with everybody that I meet. I'm pretty much an open book and I there's no ulterior motive or like malicious intent in anything that I do. I just I'm just me everywhere I go. And so I wanted to share 
because this is a mental health podcast, I want to continue that authenticity and this transparency. Um, I wanted to share my journey of like the detour that I took to becoming a mental health therapist and how I got to where I am at this point. So I hope that's okay with y'all. Um, I, I'm going to start at the beginning. I, I knew that I wanted to be a psychologist when I was in high school. The reason why I decided in high school was because of two separate boyfriends that I had. One of them I dated in middle school and then again in high school. And then the other one I dated at the end of my high school career. And so both of these guys were addicts. My parents taught me growing up to be horrified of every drug under the sun. So when I saw that both of these guys smoked weed, um, that was already terrifying enough. But I know how to pick them, y'all. They both were meth addicts. Both of them were meth addicts. And I have always been a nurturer always always been a nurturer to my own detriment sometimes because then I try to become this like savior for people who don't want to be saved or are not in a place in their life where they want any help and so I I was in a relationship with these guys um and they did not they were not at a point where they wanted to be saved from these drugs so Luckily, though, they never offered it to me, not even weed. I don't think they offered it to me. Um, At least they respected me enough not to do that. They fucked me over in other ways, but at least they respected me enough not to not to get me addicted to this stuff or even offer it in the first place. But yeah, I that those situations planted a seed in me of wanting to become an adolescent psychologist because in my 16, 17 year old brain that didn't know the complexities of addiction or the, yeah, just like what happens in people's brains, how environment is involved, how just, I didn't know anything about addiction. My, 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 um, judgment came really from what my parents had said drugs do to people and I just couldn't understand and register in my 16 17 year old brain how an adolescent would choose choose to ruin their lives in the way that these guys were doing so you know they would disappear for days on end sometimes weeks on end and come back and sleep for days and their parents were worried and they would call me and then then they would appear on park benches and the guys would call me or the second one would call me in the middle of the night to come pick him up and we'd go get del taco and then (laughs) i would take them back home and make sure they were safe um and obviously because they were on meth they became juvenile delinquents at a certain point and went to juvenile hall and went to group homes and just a lot of things happened with them you know and so because of those two situations I that little seed was planted in me and like trying to find out why adolescents and then 
get into the field to help prevent adolescents from getting to the point that these two guys had gotten to because I really cared about them. You know, I'm I'm the kind of person that when I when I get into a relationship, I really just devote myself to this one person. And um I was very devoted to each of these two situations. Um even when they rejected me several times over, um I I was very devoted to them and so I, I cared about them and wanted the best for them, but I eventually needed to give up because it wasn't my life. Um, but it, it blossomed that idea right in my mind that I wanted to become a mental health therapist or a psychologist that could help adolescents and prevent that from happening with anybody else further on down the line. And so um, I graduated high school and during the application process, I I started applying to different universities that I knew had great psychology programs. And then I applied to all of the UCs also because I was in the AVID program and it was of no cost to me to apply to these universities because I was in California. Um, And I got scholarships to some great universities, full ride scholarships to universities in Southern California, some in NorCal, some in New York, some in Rhode Island, in Boston, but I was not allowed to go. I was 18 and my father made the choice for me that even if they were full rides, I was not going to go because he was overprotective and he controlled my life basically. And I had a lack of self-esteem and didn't advocate hard enough for myself. They wanted to keep me small and they gave me conflicting messages about how important education was, but also how important it was for me to get married and have kids because I'm a Mexican woman. (laughs) So... I allowed my father to make that decision for me and I stayed local because he said that if I left that he would disown me as his daughter and I didn't want to be disowned and go off by myself and have that I mean obviously nobody wants to be disowned by their parents and I wish that I would have fought harder but coulda shoulda woulda right like I think Again, things happen for a reason. And had I actually, well, let's keep going. So I went to UC Riverside. I still kind of wanted to pursue the psychology track and took even a juvenile delinquency class. And then during my second semester, I took a Psych 101 class, but I got a C. And Darling never got C's. That was a failure. That to me was a sign that um, I was not meant for that degree. Had that darling known that C's get degrees, (laughs) things would have potentially been different. But even though, like I'm thinking about it now, man, and I'm just like, 
thinking about the 23 or 24 year old version of me who would have graduated with a master's in psychology, that darling had not gone through anything in life other than a marriage. We'll get to that in a second. I, I was in a toxic marriage and that's all that I had gone through. Yes, I know that psychology and mental health programs break you down, but so many of the experiences that I lived in my life helped to confirm this mental health career for me and helped me grow and helped me have so many different realizations in my life that I would not have had if I had chosen the psychology track from the beginning. I would be a completely different woman. I probably wouldn't be living in Texas. God knows what I would be doing, but I would not be here. And that makes me sad because then I wouldn't know the people that I know now. I wouldn't be the woman that I'm proud of and the woman that I currently love. I, I don't know. I think, I think I would be in a worse spot. I like to think that I would be in a worse place if I did it earlier. So yeah, I, I got a C in my psych 101 class and it just didn't work. It didn't work. And I was like, cool. Well, the fact that I got a C, my perfectionism came in, my lack of self-esteem came in, my insecurities came in, the fact that I was made to feel small by my parents came in, no support or motivation because I was at a university that I didn't want to be in anyway, um, feeling like I'm not in control of my life. I mean, there were so many different things that were stacked against me in that moment also that maybe I would have failed most of the classes. Who knows? And so I even I even overlooked the second choice of a degree that I had, which was international relations. And that major intrigued me because I would have learned so many different languages. I love learning languages. I would have learned Arabic. I would have learned German, um, all of the romance languages, which I am enamored by. I can understand Portuguese fully. The one from Portugal. I Brazilians, if you guys speak a little bit more slowly, I'll understand you too. Um, I speak fluent Italian, obviously Spanish, because I was raised in a Spanish-speaking household. And French, I'll understand you only if it's written. Maybe some spoken words, but anyway. Um, yeah, I overlooked that major because then international relations meant that I had to interact with people. And there again goes my insecurity and my lack of self-esteem and my smallness. Like, I, how was I going to interact with people? No, not me. And then in other languages that I probably didn't dominate. Oh, there's my perfectionism. So overlooked that one. And I've always thought that I took the easy route because I already spoke Spanish. Um, my degree would have been in Spanish. So I was like, eh, I'm just going to be a teacher. Even though teaching is always in my blood also. Um, I would play teacher with my little cousins. I think I always get on my little soapboxes anyway and try to teach about different things. And I'm doing this mental health podcast with like psychoeducation and teaching about different topics in the mental health field. So um, yeah, I decided 
why not be a teacher? I'll, I'll get a degree in Spanish and I'll be a Spanish teacher. And so I want to backtrack a little bit because I did mention earlier that there was a marriage. I got married at 19. I met this guy in January, my second semester, first year of my undergrad. And we were married exactly six months after we started dating on the date. Um, he was a year ahead of me, so a year older than me. Um, he graduated with a degree in political science and his career really didn't take off. So we had a very toxic up and down relationship and he ended up joining the military and the year he joined the military, I graduated from college with my bachelor's degree in Spanish. I realized that I needed a master's degree to get a teaching credential in California, but then I also had to go through jump and all these jump through all these other hoops, um, like take the CBEST exam and take a content like a subject test. And honestly, I wasn't very clear then on what the hoops were that I needed to jump through to become an educator in California, but I knew it was a lot. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to go get my master's degree. And you know what would be even better is if I get my PhD also, because my immigrant brain thought still not going after what I truly wanted. My immigrant brain thought, the more degrees I'll get, the prouder my parents will be of me. And the more worth it, their journey across the border will be. So I ignored whatever my gut feelings were of what I wanted to do in life and um, continued to live my life to please my parents and thinking about what other things I could do to make them proud of me and so when I graduated I applied for like substitute positions but those things didn't work out and so with the help of a family member of my then husband um, I got hired at a retirement home and was a medicine technician for a few months so during that year I went through the application process for my master's programs and um, the University of New Hampshire accepted me. It was the only one that accepted me out of all the programs that I applied to. And so I was like, sweet, I get to move to the East Coast, which was something that I wanted to do since high school anyway, and wasn't allowed to do by my dad. So I was like, I'm married. Peace out. This guy is into independent women. I'm going to go get my degree. He and I had, my husband then and I had agreed that whosever career took off first, that was the person who we were going to follow. But because getting my master's degree was technically being in progress of my career, um, I went to New Hampshire by myself. And it was a great, great year. He went to visit at some point. But I made some very good friends and I loved the four seasons. New Hampshire is actually the reason why I miss living on the East Coast 
the summer rain was beautiful. Um, the nature was beautiful. I just really enjoyed living in New Hampshire and not having a car. I would go everywhere by bus because my, my student ID card would take me everywhere. Anyway, love New Hampshire. I was in the program for a year. Sorry if that was loud. I was in the program for a year and then the next year I started applying for teaching jobs. I applied for jobs in New Hampshire. I applied for jobs in Massachusetts. I tried to apply to some in California, but I wasn't quite ready to go back. So I was like, I'll apply, but uh. so my first teaching job was actually at a private Catholic school in Boston. Um, I got hired with three days left on my lease, <laughs> my apartment in New Hampshire, and I got hired on the spot at a train station in Boston, which like was our halfway meeting point with this, the, the, um, what do they call the headmaster of the school? And, um, the school used to be before I started teaching was an all girls school that was then merged with a co-ed school the year that, that I started teaching there. So it was essentially two schools merging together that year, and that meant two crews of teachers coming together as well. So like the OG crew with the all-girls school, and then the much younger teachers that came with this co-ed school. And so the reason they came together is because the co-ed school, I think, was going under, and they just merged the two in order to preserve whatever they could of both. And so I leaned towards friendship with the younger crowd. We were all in our 20s. I was 24 during my first year of teaching. And I believe they were 23, 22, 24 years old as well. And then this OG crew were like older teachers, more mature. They had been there for 15 years plus or 12 years plus and um, completely different separate cliques. Not on purpose. The OG crew was like very open and welcoming, but these guys, because they were in their early 20s, were like, this is my clique. And so my age was like one of the main things that attracted me to this side. And so I started teaching and this then became one of the worst years of my life to that point. Two months into my very first ever serious career, job, experience, um, my then husband decided to leave me for someone else. I had already, I've already mentioned that our relationship was pretty toxic. Um, then the distance didn't help much. The fact that he had been unemployed for two years didn't help. So he left me for this other person and I turned to a couple of people in the younger crew, but I mean, they were in their 20s. Like, how were they going to help me navigate when they had never been married themselves, right? It was like they could be there for support only for so much. And then like, what else could they do for darling? And I was too ashamed and embarrassed of my situation to go to the older crowd, which I should have 
that should have been that would have been like the smartest move but my shame and embarrassment got the best the best of me so I turned to students I didn't maintain the student teacher boundary very well and a couple of students who showed their support and who showed care um, and um, concern they found out a lot more about me than any student should ever find out about a teacher ever 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 <coughs> and that's a like a really that's a point of shame for me to admit that only a few people know about that in my life that I that I confided in students at a certain point and this just it does not justify it whatsoever but I was so alone in Boston. I had no friends, nobody. The the teachers then in the younger crew ostracized me once my divorce was concrete or the separation was like official because then I started getting attention from one of the male teachers and a lot of the younger female teachers wanted that attention from him too. Um, I accepted his attention because I was in a vulnerable, painful place. And because of that, the younger crew ostracized me because they had expressed interest in him also. And I guess they felt betrayed by the fact that I allowed him into my life um and so yeah the kids found out about a lot of the things that I was feeling and that I was going through not all of the kids but enough who shouldn't have um and that's a uh, a couple of those kids still talk to me to this day and I, I feel very blessed but I'm also very very sorry that I that I had to do that because I didn't know any better and I just I was by myself I didn't have anywhere else to turn to so because of that bleak year in Boston I felt like Maybe it was time to go back home. What a roller coaster, huh? Um, this episode had to be cut into two episodes because when I when I recorded it, it turned out to be like fifty three minutes long, and um, I'll just I'll split it into two, and next week y'all guys can watch the um, the second part. But um, yeah. I wanted to come on and, and thank y'all for watching this episode. Wanted to continue to express that <clears throat> where we left off on that part of my story, um, it's not okay. And I learned from my mistakes and just, it was a hard part of my life, 
But so, yeah, I wanted to thank y'all for getting to this point and then encourage you to like the video and subscribe to the channel if you like the content that you're seeing already. And then we'll see y'all for the second part of episode two when life takes you on some detours. Thanks y'all and sending you some love and light and blessings. See y'all next week.